All right. Yeah, we won't watch it again. We'll just watch it the one time, right? Uh, like I said, happy Mother's Day. It's, it's awesome to uh, be able to celebrate with you. By the way, um, if you are a lady of any age, you know, the little ones that just left too, we have a flower um, at the doors as you leave. Feel free to grab one. Um, like I said, any of the ladies in the church can have one. We just want to appreciate you um, and say thank you to the, for the ways that you love us and um, celebrate that. If we haven't met, my name's Corey. I'm the lead pastor here at GFC. And you've joined us on a great Sunday because, well, it's great because it's Mother's Day and because babies and all that stuff. We're also starting... A brand new sermon series. And so we've been, if you're new with us, we've been tracking through the book of Luke a little bit this year. Warning, we're not going to get all the way through the book of Luke this year. We're going to have to highlight some things at the end of the year. But one of the things that we've gotten to, uh, and we've come to uh, chapter six, we'll go there in a few minutes, is I read a book last year um, that was also called Soundtracks. It was by a guy named John Acuff. Um, And he's a Christian. It's not necessarily a Christian book, but as I read it, it was about thought process and how we store uh, thoughts in our lives and what that looks like and all that kind of thing. As I was reading that book, I kept coming back to these passages. And I kept thinking as I processed this idea, what this meant and how it worked, I thought, this is something that we should be teaching ourselves from Scripture, like how it works. And I'll kind of lay that out um, in a little bit. But the tagline is, the truth you believe will produce the fruit you see. And so how we're going to do this is we're going to take something from Luke uh, in chapter 6, and we're actually going to connect it to the fruits of the Spirit. And so this is our summer series. This is actually going to take us to August. And the great thing about this is the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to take them one at a time. So if you miss a week, well, it's always easy to catch up because you can watch us on YouTube or you can listen along on the podcast. But we get the opportunity to kind of like if you miss a week, you don't have to worry about like it building. Like you can jump back in and we'll hope you keep track of every week. But like I said, if you miss one, you can jump back in. So I'm super excited to kind of have this conversation today, set the table and then really flesh this out with us this summer. So I want to start with a question, okay? And I do want answers. Like I want you guys to just yell it out. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just yell out whatever you think of when I ask this question. What is the best movie soundtrack of all time? Pride and Prejudice. Like, the, isn't there like a really old one and then there's a newer one? The new one. Okay, so the new one. So Pride and Prejudice, the new one. What else? What do we got? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, okay. Sound of Music. That, that was a musical first, though. Does that count? I'll count it. It counts. I was in the Sound of Music in high school, so I have a soft spot. But what else? Jaws. Dunna, right? Everybody knows what that is. Very recognizable. What else? Give me a couple more. Pirates, that's a good one. I heard somebody say something. Maybe. Top Gun, new one or old one? Okay, there you go. Someone give me one more. Say that again. Green Bray. What was that? Veggie Tales? Which one? Yeah, I know, but like, which one? Pick one. Grease? That's a good one. That's better. That's better than Veggie Tales, right? Okay. Here are the two. That come to, I know I'm cheating because I said what's the best one, but I have the microphone so I can do what I want. So here's the top two that come to my mind, okay? Lion King. Yeah, see, I knew I would get, oh, yeah, okay, right, that's a good one. Here's the second one, Space Jam. But not the new Space Jam, Michael Jordan Space Jam, okay? I, yeah, that's right. I don't even let my boys watch the new Space Jam. Like, that one doesn't count. We watched, the, Becca tried one time. I said, no, we're not watching the new Space Jam. It's the old one. But soundtracks are important, right? The, I mean, they even give awards for it. Like, so there's a movie every year that wins Best Soundtrack. We know it's super important. The, the sounds that we hear, the music that we hear that goes along with the movie are so important in how we understand 
the story. And I simply said this way, the soundtrack plays a huge role in how we understand the story. And if you think about moments in movies, like if I just set a very basic idea of a moment in a movie, if there is someone who is walking up to a door, an empty house or a dark house, and they're going to go into that house, and it's nighttime and it's stormy outside, the music that is playing at that moment in that movie is massively important for the way we are going to understand what happens next, right? If they're walking up to that house... Sorry, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. I'm going to lose my voice today. I know it. They're walking up to that house, and there's music playing that is low and kind of ominous and kind of spooky. They get up to that door. What are you expecting to happen? Something bad is inside. Something's going to jump out at them. That, That music in that moment is setting the scene. Or if the music is more upbeat and lively, and maybe it's less scary, maybe you're thinking, okay, they're going to get up there, something good's going to happen. There's a surprise party on the other side, or at least there's not something that's going to jump out and scare me. But the soundtrack is a hu- plays a huge role in how we understand the story. And I think the same thing is true in our lives. What we play and what we tell ourselves over and over and over again in our hearts and minds massively changes and can impact how we see the world around us. And it may even impact the way that we live and the actions we take. And so in in Luke chapter 6, I said we're going to start there. We're going to start in verse 43 of Luke chapter 6. By the way, if you'd like to, you can follow along on the screens. Um, We'll have all the verses up there for you. Or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen or it's on the back of your next steps as well. We have a place on our website called our follow-along page, and all the verses, all the notes are there. Um, you can even email them to yourself or ask a question, submit a prayer request, um, all of that kind of stuff. So in Luke 6, verse, verses 43 and 44 is where we'll start. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. So Jesus gives us a little bit of a lesson here on how this works. We get this. This is not rocket science. We understand when we plant something, we expect to get the fruit. If you plant an apple tree, you expect to get apples. If you plant an apple tree and oranges start growing on it, you know you got the wrong tree, right? Whoever sent it to you or you picked up the wrong one. We understand there's a disconnect there when the thing we planted isn't the thing that actually ends up being produced. In verse 45, he says this, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so Jesus draws this line. He says, you get it. You plant a tree, you expect a tree. You plant flowers, you expect flowers. You let the weeds take over, you expect weeds to take over. He says the same thing is true when we think about what we keep in our hearts and minds. What we keep in our hearts and minds is what will be produced and how we will act. He says if we're going to be a good person or we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to produce that from the treasury that's in our heart. If we're going to produce evil things, that's also going to come from the treasury of our heart. And so saying it simply, again, this is our tagline, the truth you believe in your heart will produce the fruit you see in your life. Now this is kind of interesting if you've never thought about it this way before. Now we've read, if you've been in church for a while, like you might have heard this verse or thought about this verse, but, but like really flesh this out, really think about this. And this is kind of the tension we want to live in is what are we putting in here? And what are we continuing to say here? And sometimes it's not us that puts it there. 
Sometimes it's the people around us. Sometimes it is our parents or our coaches or our teachers or our pastors that, that put something in us, and we keep playing that over and over and over and over again, and it changes the way we see things. And once we can see it differently or understand it differently, then things can change and we can understand a new way of understanding. This has been something that is a challenge and has been a challenge for humanity from the very beginning. Okay, So I want to take us back to the beginning for a minute. I want to go to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we get to go to the garden. Okay, So we're already talking about gardening today. We're going to go to the garden. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He knows the answer to this question. He's not asking this to really find out. He understands what the, he knows what the answer is. But he's trying to change what she is thinking and the way she's thinking about this. So in verses 2 and 3, it says this, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. In verses 4 and 5, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, here's what happens in verses 4 and 5. Satan gives one truth and one lie. You ever play that that game, two truths and a lie or something like that? He gives one one and one. So the first thing he says is a lie. You won't die. That's the lie. Because you will. And then the second one he tells is actually truth. He says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. That was, that was the truth. But see, before the serpent got here, Eve understood this differently. She just thought, okay, we're just not supposed to do it because God tells us not to do it. That's what's best for us. But then Satan gives her a lie. Here's the lie that she believes. God is keeping something good from me. But the truth is, God is protecting me. That's what she should have known. And when she believed the lie, God's keeping something good from me, she thought, oh, well, if I don't know this, or if God's trying to not allow me to understand this, he's trying to keep something from me, and that would be better for me to understand. It would be better for me to have that knowledge. It would be good for me to be like God. And really what God was saying was, no, I don't want you to be like me because I'm protecting you. I don't want you to know what evil is. I don't want you to know what the implications of that is. I don't want you to suffer and have to ultimately die. I want to keep you and protect you where you are. But she believed a lie instead. And this is the truth I think that's, that we should understand is that at the root of every sin is a lie. Every time we decide not to follow what God has instructed us to do, we believe a lie. We believe that going against God's character or going against what God has taught us is the better option in that case. But in reality, what we should understand is God's been there and he knows what's going on. He knows how the story works and he wants us to keep away from things that are going to hurt us. You know, as I thought about this, I thought about sometimes you'll see uh, commercials or you'll see stories um, or videos of people that have been somewhere. They don't want you to go. The thing that came to my mind was you'll see commercials of people that, that would smoke and they, they have like the tube or something in their throat. And the whole idea is they don't want you to smoke because if you smoke, you could end up like them. And so they say, like, I, I don't want you to know what this is like. If you don't go down this path, you're not going to know that to be true in your life. And that would be better for you. Now, God is not the person who's talking through a windpipe, but he, he's, he's helping us understand 
I know where this path leads. I don't want you to go there. And so he puts up certain guardrails, but too many times we, like Eve, say, but I think I know better. And Jesus actually warns his followers. He warns us about this in John chapter 8. I want to go there really briefly. John chapter 8, starting in verse 42, it says, Jesus told them, if, I were your, if, I were, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Have you ever been in a moment where you're trying to explain something to someone, you're really trying to give them good instructions, and they just won't listen? Like they already have it in their mind how they're going to do it, and they're, they're just not listening to what's going on. Jesus is saying that. He's saying, let me tell you how this is going to work. Can I please give you the instructions you need because I know better? And the people are around him just listen, not, not really listening. He says, you, you won't even listen to me. You can't even hear me. And he goes on in verse 44 to say, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you will love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He says, if, if we don't listen, we're going to follow what we're not supposed to follow. We're going to go to places we're not supposed to go. And I, I'm going to say something like my next point. Like I think this is kind of a dumb moment, but at the same time, I don't know that we think about it this way. And I just said this, that choosing to believe God is lying is choosing to believe Satan is telling the truth. When you think about it that way, if you had, you know, the stupid cartoon where there's like angel on this side, devil on this side, okay? Like that's not real. But when you think about it, we think about what God hands us, and he says, this is what's true. And then we look at Satan, and we go, this is, he goes, this is what's true. Like, if they were literally standing in front of you, who would you pick? It's a pretty simple question. And yet at times in life, we decide that we want to follow what Satan is telling us rather than what God has told us. And I can feel, at the, like, I, if, we're not, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this statement can get a little bit wonky. Because if you're not a follower of Jesus or you don't believe in God or you're unsure of things, like the idea of Satan is kind of like a boogeyman. Like, okay, so there's this person called Satan and they're just trying to get me to do bad things and I don't really get that and that's kind of weird. So like, let's, let's just, can we just reframe it a little bit differently? Here's how I would ask it. Do we believe God's design is fruitful? So let me, let me just say that a different way. If we look at Jesus, we just look at the New Testament, we look at Jesus, how he taught us to live, how he lived, what that looks like. If we just lived the way that Jesus asks us to live, would we live a good life or not? And I think the answer is yes. Because what does Jesus teach us? He teaches us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we love other people well, the way that we would want to be loved, other people would love us and that would bless other people and people would appreciate that. If we would forgive people when they wrong us, just like Jesus says to forgive, then we would build that relationship up and, and they would forgive us when we wrong them. And, and if we put others first instead of just always wanting ourselves to be first, we would honor other people and that would build relationships with other people. And so the way to think about this is if we just look objective, objectively at God's way of life that he hands us through scripture, and we say, if I follow that, is that going to lead me to a good place or a bad place? And, and the thing that I've experienced is anytime I'm living in pursuit of Jesus, it doesn't lead me to a place where I'm getting in trouble. It doesn't lead me to a place where I've made large mistakes. It doesn't lead me to a place where I find myself needing to dig myself out of a hole 
or needing to figure out how to sin more in order to fix the first sin I tried to do. So even thinking about it that way, we understand that what God hands us is truth. And yet sometimes we choose to believe God is lying and we choose to believe that Satan is telling the truth. And so I want to tie this into where we're going to go, okay? Galatians 5. So we have this idea, okay? Jesus says, out of the treasure of our heart is how we act, how we live, what we do with it. And when God hands us truth, we need to understand that. When we look at the lies we're told, they're from Satan. He's the father of lies. So we get to Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. It says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry your own good intentions. Verse 18, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, here's what I want us to get through this, okay? Before we get to the actual fruits of the Spirit, here's what I want us to understand. This is a choice we have to make. And we can choose not to follow the Holy Spirit. We just had a whole conversation. We just did a series the last four weeks. If you want to go back and watch it or listen, you can if you're new. It was called Faith Over Fear. And the whole conversation is interactions from Luke chapter 5 and people looking at, am I going to follow Jesus? Am I not going to follow Jesus? Am I going to overcome the fear that might be associated with that? And the choice was there. Like there are moments in life, the whole idea was there are moments in life where we can take the next step in following Jesus or we can choose not to. And that we didn't go this far, but we can go to examples in Scripture where people come to Jesus and they say, what do I have to do to follow you? And he gives them something they have to do and they turn away and they go, nope, I'm not going to do it. Like this is something that we actively have to do. We don't just decide to follow Jesus and automatically this stuff snaps into place. And the good thing about that and the difficult thing about that, as I said this way, we aren't puppets controlled by God. And, and this is some of the conversation that happens when, you, when people say, uh, why does a good God let bad things happen? Well, part of it's because of this. Because God says, I'm, I'm going to let you like, choose. Like He let Adam and Eve choose what their fate was. Were they going to listen to God or were they going to listen to Satan? And Paul tells us that that thing, that constant fight is going on in us all the time, continuing on and on and on. And this is how we know that we get to choose this. In verses 16 and 18, just again, really briefly, he just says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So we have to make this choice. Like, What are we going to do? Are we going to choose to believe the truth God is telling us? Or are we going to choose to believe what our sinful nature draws us to or what Satan tells us? Going on in Galatians 5, picking up in verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, he goes on in 21, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, 
that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's just pause for one second, okay? Here's what this is not saying. It's not saying if any of those things have ever showed up in your life that you are not going to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. What he is saying is, when you are living a life that continually chooses your own desires and the lies of Satan, when you decide to do that, this is how your life is categorized. But I would, I would say, as we said earlier to the parents, like, we are sinful people. So guess what? There's going to be moments where anger comes out in wrong ways. Hostility comes out. Quarreling comes out. Jealousy comes out. Outbursts. Like, all of those things, they're going to come out. But what are we choosing? What's the way that we want to go? In verses 22 and 23, it says, but the opposite is when the Holy Spirit comes in. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So he lays out these two lists. And I go back to my question earlier. Do we believe that the way of life God gives us is fruitful? Do we believe that we want the first set of things in our lives or the second set of things in our lives? Okay, break it down a little bit further. Let me just ask you this. Which type of friend would you want? The person who exists in the first category or the second category? Which kind of person would you rather hire for your, for your, to work alongside you? The person in the first category or the person in the second category? And even if you don't know Jesus, you would look at the second category and go, oh, no, I would rather, much rather work with someone who is loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind. Like, we see those as valuable even outside of just Scripture. We see those as valuable in the lives of people. And so are we going to choose that path? And I believe this is true. If I choose to believe the truth of God, I will produce his fruit in my life. If we decide to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and do the work that he says he's going to do, then we're going to produce that fruit. And we're going to be seen as people who follow Jesus. As I studied this, I I found something that I thought was pretty cool. Maybe you will too, or maybe you'll think I'm a little bit of a nerd. But I thought this was kind of cool. Going back to Luke 6.45, I just want to read this verse one more time. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, I highlighted the word treasury twice uh, because it was in there twice. And when I looked up the Greek word for treasure, I don't do this often. You don't get a lot of Greek from me, but I thought this one was kind of cool. When you look up the Greek word, this is the Greek word. We'll put it up there. Okay, so treasure, the, in the Greek there in the middle, it's thesaros. Now, there it is in English. What does that word look like? Thesaurus, right? Which is where we look up, it's not a dinosaur, right? It's where we look up words. It sounds like a dinosaur too, now that I say it that way. So here's what this means. It's the treasure of words we put in our heart. Sometimes when I, at least when I've thought about it, I've thought about the treasures of my heart. I've thought about desires, what I want in life. But what Jesus is really saying is the words, the treasury of words, the things we say, the things we believe, the things we we hold to be true over and over and over again. Those are the things that are overflowing from our hearts and will dictate the choices we make. 
And so here's how I said, the treasure of words in our heart will fund our decisions, our actions, and our habits. Everything we decide to do, we do because of a truth we believe. Or we don't do because of a truth we believe. And that flows out of the, the words, the treasury of words that we have held in our hearts and in our minds. So the question is, what are we putting in there? What are we allowing other people to put in there? And are they consistent with what God says about us or what Satan says about us? So to say it a little more simply, maybe easier for us to understand, to get that, because that soundtrack idea kind of resonates with me. The soundtracks we allow to play in our heart will change the way we live. The words that we allow to be said over and over and over again in our hearts and minds will change the way we live. It will change our actions, our habits, and the decisions we make. So what will we do with it? And, and one of the things as I thought about this, and I thought about the fruits of the Spirit, I thought some of those words, some of those fruits of the Spirit are really difficult to figure out. And, and I think one of the things that uh, maybe we were taught, I think maybe I was taught at times, or maybe I just believed incorrectly, was that if I just pursued God more, whatever that looks like, right, I just pray more, that those things would just happen, and I, and I think the more that I've, I've looked at Scripture, yes, pursuit of God, prayer, Scripture reading, that, that kind of thing is absolutely true. But I also have to be active in making sure I'm not listening to the wrong things. Like, we have to have a filter. Um, I remember I, my very first job I ever worked was scooping ice cream. And I was, uh, I, I, that's all I did. I just scooped ice cream, and it was the hard kind, and, like, it, you really had to get in there and work on it. And the manager that I had... He was, he was a Jesus follower, but when we would close up at night, everybody had left and we were like mopping the whole place, he would turn on music. But he would turn on music that just had all kinds of words in it, okay? And he would say to me, he's like, he was like, does this bother you? And I was like, I don't know, 16 or 17. And I was like, no, it's fine, whatever. I just listened to it. I think I had more fun listening to it because I don't think my parents would let me listen to it. So I was like, oh, this is fun, right? I just do this. So like, not a good thing for Pastor Corey to do. But I would listen to it. I'd be like, okay, fine. And he would tell me, he would go, I don't listen to this all the time, but I like to sometimes. But every once in a while I have to stop so I can clean out the filter. So that I can remove the things that have gotten in there that shouldn't be in there. Now the fault in what he's saying is he was purposely putting the wrong things in and then needing to go find them after. What we should understand is the wrong things are automatically going to find their way in. We need to do a better job of not letting those things get in faster. And so we have to go through and go, what am I thinking or what am I feeling that is inconsistent with the truth I believe God has given me? And as we pursue him, we switch what, we, what the false things we're believing with the actual true things that God has given us. And so there's three things I want us to think about as we, as we process this. There, there's not a lot of things today that I'm saying, like, go home and do this. Sometimes I give you assignments. No, but I want us to start processing this because we're going to go through the summer on what that means. And I want us to think about the truths that we're believing and, and maybe the lies that we're believing. And so the first question is this, what lies am I believing about God? Like, what are the things I know I should be doing? 
that a lie that I'm believing is stopping me from doing? Or what are the things I need to stop doing and I'm believing a lie about God that's keeping me and I keep doing it? Like, if I just believed the truth, if I believed that God was going to show up in that situation, would I take my hands out of it? And would I allow God to move instead of me trying to manipulate it? So you can process this one. Like, are there lies about God that you're allowing yourself to believe? Here's the second thing I would say. As you build soundtracks or you build the thoughts or the truths that you're keeping in your mind, build them around the hope Jesus gives you. If a soundtrack about God is not hopeful or filled with hope, it's probably a lie. And one of our focuses this year is that uh, hope has a name. And we believe Jesus is that hope. And so if we're believing a lie about God that takes away our hope or says I'm, it, God's doing something negative to me or he's trying to keep me in the dark or he's trying to, it's not hopeful. It's probably a lie. So am I believing things about God that are hopeful because he is the hope of the world? And here's the last thing. Keep repeating it or you will forget it. We all know that there are things we were taught as children that either our parents said over and over again or they were put to a song that we remember simply because of that, right? You can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday, but you can remember the 50 states because you know that stinking song. I didn't learn that song. Other people did. Or you know the theme song from your favorite TV show. Or you know how to do a certain... Um, certain math equation or something like that, right? Because you remember the things we were taught. How we learn is through repetition. Even the verse from Deuteronomy that we gave the parents earlier says, repeat them around your house. Continue to say the right thing. Because here's what happens. When we say it one time to ourselves, we forget. And one of the problems we run into is we believe a truth about God at a certain point in time, but then we stop believing it because we stop repeating it to ourselves. So we have to repeat it. We have to say it again. Or we have to sing it again. Or we have to read it again. Or we have to do it again. Because if we don't, we'll forget. And if we allow the wrong thing to play on repeat in our hearts and minds, we'll start to believe that instead. And so what is the treasure, the thesaurus, the treasure of words that you're hiding in your heart? Is it based on the truth God gives us? Or is it based on lies? And how is it impacting the way we live? And if we look at the fruit of the Spirit, right, there's a lot of difficult stuff in there. Like, like patience can be really hard. Faithfulness can be really difficult. So how do we do it? It's by building those right words that are going to sit in here and we're going to remember, okay, this is the truth I'm living out of. This is the truth I'm living out of. This is the truth. And I'm not going to believe the lies that take me to another place. I'm not going to allow my sinful nature, I'm not going to allow Satan to get in and challenge us. So I want us to process that. And we're going to go through this for, like I said, it's going to take us through the summer until August. It's going to be a while. We're going to process this and see what this means. And I want us to take inventory. Are we believing truths that God has given us or are we believing lies? And how is that coming out in the way that we live? Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the truth uh, that you've given us. 
We also know the challenge, like Paul says, that there is a battle that goes on in our hearts and minds every day between what the Spirit wants and the way that you want to lead us and what our flesh wants, what Satan wants us to believe. And God, I I ask that you would make it abundantly clear in our hearts when we are believing lies that draw us away from you. That in our actions, we've started to believe the wrong things. We've started to believe the lies we've been fed. And it causes us to stray from you and make decisions that aren't honoring to you. And God, I pray that the truths that we need to be reminded of would be the things that we repeat to ourselves over and over and over again. I pray that this summer, as we process the fruit of the Spirit and what that looks like as an overflow from who we are and the truths we believe, that you would help us to hone in on those things that we need to focus on, those things that we aren't so good at, and that you would move in our hearts and give us the truths that can resound and resonate within us so that we make better choices and we reflect you to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.